Are you looking to fine-tune? Whether for your business, your job, your team, or yourself, in each episode, we will be discussing different ideas and opinions using real-world examples to help you see opportunities, innovate, and succeed. Hi, it's Corby Fine, and welcome to Fine Tune. So I'm a early adopter of what I would call the online loyalty applications. I have had apps on my phone where for years I've been scrolling through all my different loyalty cards. I was scanning them. I was trying to maximize my points. I am a points junkie. My son yells at me all the time. He says, Dad, why do you make me go to McDonald's with a coupon? I embarrass him. I try and save money. And I always quote, I don't even know where I heard the quote originally, but you know, the old notion of millionaires aren't made millionaires because of how much they make, it's how much they save. And I think over the last few years, you've seen almost a, a hybrid of those two things because now you can actually save money and earn money at the same time. Well, what does that mean? Well, to me, that's a bit of the future of loyalty is as a customer, I want to be rewarded. I want to be respected. I want to be heard. But sometimes I actually just want a little bit of cash in my pocket and I want to be able to choose the things I want to do. And one of those apps that I think I was an early adopter, and we're going to talk to the gentleman who built this app, and he can look in the database later and tell me what number of customer I was, because I'm pretty sure it was early. But there's an app called Drop. And Derek Fung, who is the CEO and co-founder of Drop, is with me today. For those that don't know, Drop is one of the largest mobile rewards products and apps in market. Four million users. That's massive. Hundreds of retailers and merchants. And 40, wait, wait, ready? Billion with a B dollars in transaction volume. So just think about that for a second. I ran a digital bank. I know the numbers. This is big. Obviously, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. And Drop was named number two on the top startups in Canada, the Deloitte Fast 50. Derek's won all kinds of awards. Amazing investors and, you know, obviously amazing customers as well. Derek, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, Kirby. Good to be, good to be on. That's... Uh... Hard to follow that intro, but thanks for having me. Well, just tell your kid to use the app when he goes to buy fast food and you'll be on the same platform as me. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not sure everybody knows about Drop. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you've built and what's got 4 million people so excited? Yeah, so Drop is a mobile rewards platform. So what makes us very different is consumers link their debit and credit cards and it's very seamless. So through the app, you can shop through your linked card to the app and you get drop points and drop points are one of the most flexible currencies, points programs out there. You can redeem them for gift cards and uh, we're actually going to be rolling out some other very innovative things that you'll be able to redeem points for, including fractional shares very soon over the next little while. So uh, we first launched in Canada and, and then launched in the U.S. in 2017 and, you know, proud to be a Canadian company. But we, we now have employees you know, across Canada and the U.S. and count many large U.S. investors as uh, part of our investor base. And also we, we have some strategics as well. We've got Capital One, we've got RBC. And, uh, and yeah, that's a bit about us and you know, what's, what makes us very different. I'd say we do focus on mobile. We do focus on digital brands like Uber, like Casper, even Apple. You can earn a ton of drop points and redeem them very seamlessly on the platform. So I remember the first time I actually redeemed in your platform and it was not digital, it was terrestrial. And I, I got the coupon and I sent it to myself and I went to a Foot Locker and I bought a pair of shoes. But what's 
most important in that story is I remember buying the pair of shoes with the fact that I had earned enough points. What do you see in terms of the association between the earnability, the points, these drop points, and the redemption? Is it something that, you know, the customer or the consumer ultimately remembers the value that you contributed, or is it just like cash in their wallet that gets burned anyway? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Consumers actually view drop points as play money. So they actually think of using drop as more of a rewarding platform versus a savings platform. And one of our competitors, Ebates, now known as Rakuten, you get cash back, you get checks. And you know when you get cash, you naturally want to save it. With drop, consumers actually want to spend it. And so for the longest time, you know, the vast majority of our consumers have been redeeming points for Amazon gift cards, Starbucks gift cards, Whole Foods, Sephora, very aspirational brands, given that they, the currency is like a nice to have bonus, if you will, versus money that they want to save. And, and that's what's leading us to think about other really interesting ways to redeem points, including you know, fractional shares, crypto. And so, yeah, there's definitely a connection consumers make in their mind when they associate, oh, I bought this item and I'm, I'm tying it back to the loyalty or rewards program. In the, in the past, I'd say a lot of the traditional programs, you know, tied to airline tickets or tied to like kitchen appliances, which are kind of just not cool for this consumer. So we've been really focused on things that they can buy to use for experiences. You know, it's like uh, that outfit that you're going to wear to, I mean, you know, hopefully soon it'll be a thing again, but you know, your, your favorite music festival or something experiential, like a backpack for your trip to Machu Picchu. And so definitely a big emotional connection. And that's why we think moving beyond gift cards into assets that actually grow over time will be the next very interesting innovation that we're going to be looking to roll out. Yeah, that's interesting. It kind of blurs the line between that saving and that spending that you just talked about. I know I bought the shoes. It reminds me of what I did to get it. And to your point, it was somewhat play money. But at the same time, I think about investing and and shares and, and crypto which I might have just bought my my first portion of a Bitcoin to test out the market as saving. So that's interesting. Do, do you see that conflicting with sort of the brand promise a little bit or, or no? Uh, no? No. I mean, I think it's interesting is this millennial Gen Z generation that we target uh, a lot of, uh, you know, you've heard the four letter acronyms. There's, there's YOLO, there's FOMO. And I think a lot of our consumers, you know, they look back at, 0809 in, in the last crisis and they're like, oh, we wish we would have stretched our dollar further you know, by putting it into the stock market. And, and so I, I'd say, you know, the Robinhood, even though like the Robinhood product is, is very, hey, you know, you only live once, let's go big and let's buy some GameStop, let's buy some AMC stock. And so there's, you know, more of that element. And I definitely think in a, in a world where things are opening up, I don't know if you've heard this new saying, I just heard it and found it pretty funny, uh, revenge traveling. <laughs> And uh, a lot of consumers feeling like, you know, all this pent up savings, they want to use it and they want to spend it. And a lot of them are doing it through drop because they know if they do it through drop, they'll stretch their, their dollar further. And very soon they can redeem them for things that actually grow. So, yeah, revenge travel seems to be the, the word of the week all over the media. It's on the, the newspapers. It's online. I haven't figured out what my next revenge trip is going to be, but I'm pretty sure that I can't buy it through you yet. But maybe that's coming. Maybe drop points for the revenge travel. Yeah, I mean, you, you can redeem for, for travel gift cards. So we've got Air Canada here. And then in the U.S., we've got a, a couple others. And we're actually rolling out a 
bunch of new travel offers as well that you should see very, very soon. They were all, unfortunately, many of them shut down uh, during COVID, but many of them coming back online. And uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but in the US, I mean, we, we saw the data, uh, the TSA seeing the most the most fit traffic at airports since COVID. So it's, it's very promising and got a ton of hope that things will go back to normal very soon. Just watch the stock market on the travel sector. You'll see. So you brought up uh, a competitor a few minutes ago. I, I won't mention names because, you know, we're here to talk about you. But when you think about the landscape, you know, the notion of loyalty, there's a lot of there's a lot of noise out there and there's a whole mix of players. There's your your traditional, you know, single stop to your point, your airline loyalty program. Then there's the you know, we'll call them the the aggregators, but the traditional ones, you know, in Canada, we've got the Air Miles program, large players digitally, like the one you mentioned, other small apps, startups. And what's really interesting to me is the new fintech players are also trying to find ways to use loyalty as one of their biggest differentiators from the big banks. And you don't have to look far to even one of my recent podcast interviews with Andrew Chow and Neo Financial as well, hey, let's launch a bank, but let's launch it on the back of loyalty as one of the key value propositions, because it's one of the only things that isn't necessarily owned by the large FIs in market. So when you think about the space and you think about what's happening, where do you sit? I mean, I know you know your value prop, but where do you sit in the overall ecosystem? And what are you worried about? Like, what keeps you up at night from a disruption perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'd say that these days, loyalty uh, is very different. It's a very different term. It's used a lot, and I, I think it's often overused. And um, I think, uh, you know, when we go pitch retailers and merchants, we, we say, hey, you're, you're looking to do a bunch of things, whether it's acquiring new customers, whether it's obtaining customers, whether it's trying to learn about those customers, we can help you achieve them and, uh, and, and also reward the consumers to be part of the journey. I'd say that some of the most popular products out there, loyalty, isn't isn't created with a loyalty program. It's built into the actual product and experience. It's why Airbnb doesn't need a loyalty program. It's because, you know, well, they're focused on host loyalty. I think consumers, you know, they don't need a program to attract consumers. Consumers are loyal because of the experience. And you could argue the same with companies like Uber, for example. So I'd say definitely this loyalty word uh, is evolving. I mean, the way we think about it is uh, we're driving a ton of engagement to, to these brands that we work with. Loyalty is up to them to figure out through their product and through their experience. But with our consumer, a lot of the loyalty is actually to us because they feel we're recommending them relevant offers. We have a really good a seamless program. And so I think where we, we fit in is uh, we're agnostic to payment cards and like any cards. We don't do any exclusive deals with retailers and merchants and the tra- traditional programs have had to in the past because that was the only way these merchants would let them get their data through the point of sale. So the biggest decision we made in, in the early days was to go directly to the consumer to get the data and not through the merchants. And that's ultimately, you know, ironically, but also, you know, part of the plan is to, that loyalty is now actually to, to drop into us first because we're helping stretch their dollar further. And you can do it through any card, any bank, and you can shop through many retailers and, and not just one exclusive one per category. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I used to always say when inside of a bank, you take a look at the transactions, you know where your your customers are shopping, but you don't know what they're buying. And if you're coming from the other angle, let's say you're a large retailer, an online e-tailer, you know 
skew levels of what people are buying, but you don't know where else they're buying the same or different or competitive things. And that mashup of those two data sets is really interesting to me from the perspective of profiling, segmenting, targeting, recommendations. So there's obviously this increased focus on this notion of value-based segmentation of people, right? Of customers, of prospects. How do you know who might actually be in market to buy, who's ready to shop, et cetera? So when you see this growth in this space, but also married with data privacy and protection and consumer rights and ownership, I mean, you said something interesting. You made a decision a long time ago to go direct to the consumer and ask them for their data. Is there anything you can talk about with regards to where Drop is going from the overall aggregation of the data, you know, you know a lot of stuff about a lot of people. You know that I like to buy shoes with your points. Um, what do you do with that information? Yeah, it's a great question. I'd say that 2020 was a pretty pivotal year in the world of, I mean, in many worlds, but in our world in particular, um, the, the intersection uh, around data, the intersection around privacy, the intersection of really just how, I mean, advertising, Google, you know, and cookies and the policing they're now doing with cookies. And so I'd say when you really think about Drop as a company, ultimately the big vision is to build the largest transaction data set and market. And I think where we're very different is uh, we believe we have an opportunity to create the, the largest ethically sourced transaction data set and market. And what I mean by ethically sourced is, you know, consumers are giving us permission. And in return, we're actually going to be giving them value back for their data. And when you really think about it, decades ago, it was really, hey, someone's walking to our store and we don't know who they are. So if we create this like loyalty program, maybe we can figure out who they are. I'd say now, you know, as we think about the future uh, and where we go, 2020, 60% of consumers changed their shopping behavior. When you look at the biggest IPO, the hottest IPO, Snowflake, you know, it's a data company. And when you think about the biggest M&A, most people actually probably won't be able to be able to name it, um, but it was S&P buying a company called IHS for financial data. So we just think we have an opportunity to create, you know, one of the largest ethically sourced transaction panels in which rewards is, you know, how we get the data. The points is how we deliver the money for the data back to the consumer. And if you really think about that, you know, that's a massive opportunity. And it's also an opportunity to rethink the advertising industry. Um, advertising industry, you know, search engines allowed... Uh, marketers to target consumers based on what they were thinking. And then you've got uh, social networks that are targeting based on you know, what they, they think you like based on the social graph. You know, we think the next major opportunity is targeting consumers based on actually where they spend, uh, spend money. So I think that's where it gets really, really big. And uh, yeah, that's really the direction that we're really starting to, to road, road towards. There's a reason that the Amazon media group is growing faster than any other media business mm -hmm. globally. And that's exactly it. But I think the thing you said, which is really interesting to me, is the notion of doing it ethically. And obviously that has a whole bunch of different connotations. And not to say anyone else isn't doing it ethically, but I like the transparency in what you're saying. And, and so that would kind of just take me down to maybe the last couple of questions around the world of advertising. And I was going to go there, but you took me there anyway, obviously is about driving the delivery of the most personalized ads. Um, but I think the thing that is coming into my head through this conversation is, you know, you want to reward customers based on their value as well. 
so not every prospect is worth the same to every business. You have the notion of spend patterns and the kind of value that a consumer might put on high-end electronics versus lower-end electronics, high-end sneakers versus lower-end sneakers. Does that become part of the model? Do you think about not just what I'm interested in, but the level of value at which I'm willing to spend? And does that become part of that, you know, drop level graph of ethically sourced data that maybe makes its way back into the advertiser pool? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, our vision is to become the world's most personalized rewards program. And you can't personalize without data. And uh, you know, everyone has their own different way of spending money, spending time, spending you know, what we call spending thoughts. And, and when I say thoughts, you know, we've got survey offers where you can earn points for sharing what you're thinking. And so definitely, I think where this space is going is, you know, everyone talks about personalization, but if you open up these apps, programs, whether it's the big ones, like in Air Miles, it's like, they don't really know that much about you unless you're doing all of your spending on their co-branded credit card, unless every time you're at the point of sale, you're swiping a card. And so, you know, I think definitely the vision here is, hey, everyone technically could have their own personalized rewards program based on their shopping and their spending. And we're already seeing this, you know, when we roll out some of our most popular offers, Uber, for example, uh, some consumers will get different rates than others. And it's based on your spending. So if you're spending a ton already with Uber, you may get a offer with a lower percent back. If you're not spending that much, Uber will pay top dollar to get you to spend more. And, and the ability to prove the incrementality and, and prove that, hey, like we can actually target based on that spending behavior is, is what is really powerful. And I think that's where uh, these programs have talked about it for, for a long time. And I think it's it's really now that, you know, companies like Drop can truly unlock it given consumers are, are becoming more and more educated around how much their data is worth. And our consumers, you know, especially the younger generation will give up everything as long as they're getting value back. And, and that's where the world is going. I often reference to fair value exchange as my expectation on what I'm willing to let someone like a Google understand about me in order to make sure that I get the notification at 342 on my Android device that says, you might want to leave now because there's an accident on your normal route of your car on the drive home and you're going to miss your kid's hockey game if you don't go. That is worth something to me. And that might not be worth something to you or to someone else. Everybody has their own definition of what that means. But I think an organization to be successful today needs to understand what is the fair value exchange for the individual and how do I, as an organization, translate that into something that then wants that consumer or en enables that consumer to engage with me without ever worrying about, is there something in it for me? Yeah, there is. And it's not just something, it's something that's meaningful to me. Totally. And I think if you think about advertising as a model, it's kind of broken, you know, consumers, I think they're, they're jaded of all the ads they see on Instagram, Facebook, and, and they know every time I click on it, oh, I'm just making someone money. So the ability to say to the consumer, hey, we're actually going to target you, give up your data, but you're going to see very relevant content and we're actually going to give you money if you ultimately engage with that product or service. I think that's where advertising is, is going. And uh, you know, some of the companies that we really look up to that are really starting to get this level of similar level of data, you know, Pinterest is one that's doing some really interesting things. And so, and so, yeah, that's, that's where it's going. Cutting the consumer in on the money, on the deal. That's the future. So last question about Draw. So can you give us a sneak peek on what's the next consumer-facing feature? What's the next thing I'm going to see when I open my app as one of the 4 million and 40 billion <laughs> in transaction dollars? What's coming? 
Yeah, so we're, there's a couple of areas that we're starting to really dig into. I think the first one is just around really uh, just innovating the business model of rewards in ways that no one's been been able to do before um, in pretty big ways. And what I mean by that is, you know, most of these products you're redeeming for cash, you're redeeming for gift cards and products, and all of these are assets that don't grow. And so we're thinking a lot about, hey, what if we're able to allow consumers to redeem for things that grow in a world where cash is not making much uh, for, for people these days? So that's one. I'd say another one that we're thinking about new ways to earn points. So consumer behaviors change the time. And uh, we're all about capturing and, and rewarding consumers for their time, money, and thoughts. So we, we've rolled out survey offers, which has been really successful for us, targeted, you know, based on your shopping behaviors, answer some questions and, and get points. We've rolled out mobile gaming offers, but some of the other categories that we're looking into are categories that we think will only grow in a post-COVID world. So things like at-home fitness, things like e-learning, and definitely consumers are becoming more green and environmentally conscious. So even things like, hey, carpooling, walking, get points for being friendly to the environment. So those are some areas that we're thinking a lot about. And I think I think there's a lot of opportunity right now to just rethink the, the business model in a world where consumers are looking for products like Drop you know, more than ever before. And merchants are also looking for new channels like Drop to, to deploy their marketing dollars more effectively. And companies that want um, this type of data, I'd say our data before was a good to have, now it's a must have. You know, the analogy, the, the, the saying I use, it used to be a vitamin and now it's a painkiller. I like that one. I might steal that. Last question. <laughs> What's the last thing you personally spent your draw points on? Uh, I spent it on Starbucks. Uh, I've been a really big fan of the, the app, uh, of the Starbucks app. And during early COVID, I was just making my own coffee and I just got to a point where I just had to get out there. So I've been really addicted to their egg bites and uh, the, the caramel macchiato. And their app is just really on point with gamification. And so just on Starbucks, yeah. And it's kind of like triple dipping because they can earn drop points. You can earn their Starbucks stars. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I used it for last. Well, there you go. Derek Fung, co-founder and CEO of Drop, teaching you how to game his own system. Derek, remind <laughs> me to tell you about uh, a fast food chain's app and paper-based coffee loyalty earning program and how I've mastered the art of double dipping on that. You can think about that for a second. Interesting. Just, I've, got, I've got some other ideas for you too. Um, awesome. Well, um, so, we'll uh, share. We'll share uh, how to hack we'll the share. hacks. Derek Fung, again, CEO and co-founder of Drop. Get the app. I use it. I'm one of four million. You can buy Starbucks, you can buy sneakers, and maybe soon fractional shares. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, honestly. So again, thank you so much for being with me today and you know, enjoy your Starbucks tomorrow morning. Thanks, Kirby. Take care. You too. You've been listening to Fine Tune. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me on Twitter at CFine, through LinkedIn at CorbyFine, or visit my website, CorbyFine.com. Fine Tune is produced by me, Corby Fine. Thanks for listening. <laughs>